if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in Matthew chapter today, Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to be looking at verses 14 through 30. We're going to cover a lot of scripture today, but remember what we're talking about for the, this week and the next few weeks is we're talking about living our life under new management. The Lord says this through scripture to us. He says that when you and I give our life to Christ, that we are a new creature, that the old passes away, and that the Lord makes everything new. So as everything is made through, every aspect of who we are as a believer and follower of Christ is made, made new. So there are a lot of things that we come into our relationship with Christ, our new relationship with Christ, that have not been, that have been worldly, that have been broken, that have been caught up into the, the things of this world. And so we have to take care of every aspect of our life. So it's not only a spiritual transformation that's in our life, it's how we look at all areas. Because you and I are servants at that point. We're, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So we're an example of Christ. So the first thing we need to understand is when we give our life to Christ that we're servants. But the other thing that we need to realize, too, is that is not only are we servants, but we're stewards. In other words, our life is not our own, so we have been bought and paid for with a price. That is the life of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So if we don't live for ourselves anymore, and our life has been bought with a price, then it is not our life to live anymore. In other words, the, who we are and who we become at, from that point on, being a follower of Christ is a reflection of that relationship that we have with Christ. So if there are areas of our lives that we still want to hold on to and control and keep as what we would call normal for us in the world and in the flesh, then we're going to have problems. We're going to have friction. We're, going to have, um, we're not going to truly realize our effectiveness as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. So what we want to do is we want to look through every area and every aspect of that. So today what we're going to do is we're going to start off with resource management. We're going to look at this passage that talks about talents and what the Lord has to say about that. These are natural resources. These are sources of supply to us, meaning this. God gives us what we have been given. So our talents, our giftedness that we're going to look at is a, is a gift from God. And so we have to see it as such and treat it as such so that we will become a stewards of that gift that God has given. All right. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, it says this. But it's just like a man who goes out about to go on a journey, who's called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. All right, then um, there's, a, there's a word that's going to be used here in the next part of the passage. I want to define it for you right now so that we can go through this. It's, it's the word is called talent. A talent is a measure of weight. So you need to understand this. Talent, the value of the talent depended on the material for which it was made of. The, the talent is just a measure of weight. So how many of you have ever had a silver dollar, Right? You have a silver dollar, that is a, a certain amount of silver, and it's probably pure silver. And then it's worth not only what's stamped on it, but if you take a silver dollar today and you have a pure silver dollar, it's worth more than a dollar, right? It's worth more than what's stamped on it because of the value of the weight of the material in which it's made of. So that's the way we need to read this passage and understand this pa passage. So when we see talent, it is talking about giftedness, but it's a giftedness that's given to us by God in a measure of weight. All right? So 
Here, let's keep reading. To the one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, each according to his own ability. All right, so we're thinking numerically, aren't we? Isn't that the way you read this and think? One dude got five, one dude got two, and one dude got one. But that is a measure of weight. So think of it that way instead of thinking of it numerically, okay? So, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. The first thing I want you to see out of all this is that God awards resources by measure. This is not based on comprehension. It's based on comprehension, excuse me, not on compensation. So, there's a value that's given to a talent. We assess that. A talent of silver is not as much as a talent of gold. And in our society today, it would be platinum. Isn't platinum worth more than that, right? So a talent of platinum, of that substance, is going to be worth more than even gold. So that measure of the weight that's given is valued differently by different people. And we look at it that way, too. Elizabeth can play the piano, can she not? That's a measure of weight that she's been given. We're going to see that when we finish all the way through this. And because we don't have that same measure, we don't see the same value in what we've been given. That's not how God looks at it. You've been given a measure of weight in accordance to the ability the capability that God gave you. So God gives us natural abilities. Am I not the best preacher you've ever heard in your entire life? No, I'm not. You're all a bunch of liars, is what you are. I am not the best preacher. I know that. But God has given me a measure of talent, a giftedness from him, and I'm to use that measure, a measure of weight. He just That's why I get fatter, right? Because of more weight. You'll get that in a minute. All right. So, Lord gave me something, and I took it out, and I doubled it. <laughs> it's wrong stuff, though. All right. So we think about this in this way. So he gave him five, and he went out and made what with it? He made it into ten. So you need to understand that he took the gift that was given by God to him, the measure, and he did what with it? Did he sit on his hands with it? No. He went out and traded with it, but that means he used it. He used that which was given to him by God, and it came out what? Multiplied out twofold. Same thing with the guy that was given the two measures. Now, look, he could look at the guy that was given five, and he could say, man, what am I, chopped liver? I don't have five talents. If I'd have had five talents, I could have done that anyway too, right? You got to have money to make money, or, you know, every way you want to look at this. If you want to look at it from the financial scheme, or if you want to look at it from the ability scheme. I'm trying to look at it from the ability scheme. God naturally gave some. What if God would have, what if I, my parents would have been rich, I'd have been all right too. God would have born, if I would have been born into that situation or that circumstance, it would have been all great for me too. That's not the right way to look at this at all, right? We're to look at the gift that God has been given, has given to us. Then we're to take that gift, not go hide it, but to use it. 
to use it so that it multiplies itself out. That's what's going on here. God awards resources by measure. God gives them out. It's based upon comprehension, I believe, spiritually. So if we can, the more that we comprehend to God of, of who God is and what God's trying to say to us through the Word, then the more resources that will come our way. All right? Ephesians 4, 7 says this, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. This lets us see again that this has been given out in a measurement by the Lord to us as a gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says the same thing, essentially. It says, But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has given you the gift that He has given you for His glory. Now, I want you to think about this. He tells a story in Scripture about a shrewd manager. The shrewd manager is the one who takes the resources he's given, and he basically, it almost looks like when you read the story that he's kind of manipulating and taking from others. But the Lord gives him a commendation. The Lord says that we need to all be shrewd managers. And so he takes this situation, which I would look at and say, it looks like this guy's almost stealing from everybody else. And he goes, no, it's not. he's not. He's shrewd in the management of what he's been given. You and I are stewards, but we give it away. Now think about Jacob and Esau. Who had the birthright? Esau. But he sold it for a pot of stew, did he not? He did not see the value in that which he'd been given. So he was not very shrewd with that which he, he basically gave it all away. I think we do that. I think we take the resources that God gives us and we give them away. I know that I've done that. We give away our time to things that are not of value for the kingdom. Time is a resource. We give away our finances on our pleasures and things that we want others to think about us about. I mean, you could give to good things. You can give a lot of money to charity. But if it doesn't glorify God, that's not why God gave it to us, right? God says to, to give to him first, right? The first fruits of everything. So I'm sure, okay, I'm not going to get in your business here, but I'm about to get in your business. Everything that comes in your household, God gets the first 10% of all that, does he not? As he should. But I'm going to tell you right now, if he did, this place itself... And the kingdom of God would be much, much greater for his glory. Not because of the monetary value of it, but because of the faithfulness of it. Because God takes what, what's already been given and he what was with it. He multiplies it, does he not? He doesn't just add to it. He multiplies it out. I've said this statement before, and I've heard it said many times before. We could wipe out world hunger if the church would give 10% of its tithes and offerings. We'd have the capabilities and the abilities to wipe out world hunger, feed everybody if we just did what we were supposed to do. So we lament the fact that there are things going on in the world that are broken when we could actually fix it ourselves if we were faithful in the things that God gave us. So I've talked about our time. We give our time away. I've talked about the treasures that we get. But now I want to talk about the talent. There's so much talent in this room to do so many different things but we use it for our own economic gain or for our own pleasures instead of for what God has called us to use it for. And we waste our abilities. 
We waste our abilities. Some of you are been, have been skill set given by God or through training. And that should be used for God's glory. He should be receiving that. He gave it to you. So we need that. See, see how we need to run every aspect of our life through this lens. And when we realize the resources that we've actually been given by God to us, been entrusted to us, we'll see the measure of the weight in which we've been given. The true measure. Because the world likes to look at it and say, well, I wasn't given nothing to begin with, so now I, don't, I shouldn't produce anything with it. Or the world goes out and squanders every single bit of it that they have been given. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I know a man once, I think I've told this to a few people. So if, if I've told it to a few people, just bear with me. I haven't told it to the congregation before. I knew a man one time that had a house was going to get a pool built behind it. All right? So he hires these guys to go build his pool. So he hires these guys to go build his pool. They start. He begins to pay them. They got about halfway through the job, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. They disappeared for weeks, probably about three, four weeks, and then they showed back up on his step. And he's like, where have you guys been? I've been waiting for four weeks for you guys to come back and finish my pool. And one of the two guys looks at him and says, we won the lottery. We won over $400,000. So they went out to Las Vegas, and they lost every bit of it in four weeks. So they showed back up to finish his pool. But why'd they go to Las Vegas? Because they thought that they could take the 400000 with what they knew about playing cards and doing all this stuff out in Las Vegas, right? And what? Double, triple. They left their job thinking, we ain't going to have to come back to this. But they came back to it because every single solitary bit of it was lost. It was gone. See, this is, what the, this is the way of the world. We shouldn't think this way. We can't. It's easy to get caught up into it. We can look at ourselves and say, well, I wasn't given the five talents. I wasn't weighted down. I wasn't given the same measure that somebody else. We don't need to look at anybody else's measure. We need to be responsible with the measure that we've been given. And until we are responsible with it, we're not going to get any more. We're not going to get any more. Remember last week when he was talking to Haggai? He said, look... You have all this abundance, and you put it in your pockets, and there's holes in your pockets. And then you bring it home, and I what? I blow it away. I blow it away. I can't save. I can't keep it. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have time. I'm not good enough. All these things come out. All these things come out. Can I say this to you? Each of you that get up here on Sunday mornings while I'm preaching and go back there and work with the kids, your job is just as important as mine. And you are a blessing. And the time that you guys put into doing this, I know that God blesses that back through you. I know, I know from personal experience with my wife that we've gone to lunch. It was really cool today because such and such got this and they were able to say this. Or they were able to recite the verse. Or they did this. And you get to see tidbits of how you pouring into somebody else's life is producing fruit and seeing those things. It's extremely important for us. 
It's extremely important for the furtherance of the kingdom. We don't know what's back there. Some of you are going, my kid's back there, man. They ain't worth two cents. They are. They're worth a ton. And we have no idea with what God's going to do with the people that are back there. What if the next Lottie Moon's back there? What if the next Annie Armstrong's back there? Katie's got a new job. Did y'all hear about Katie's new, new job? Katie got a new job, then Katie got a new, new job, all right, while she was working at the campus. Because she had been praying for working with the girls that are at the school. How many girls are in that school? 200 girls. She was praying how God would you. So now she used to be an RA, so now she's in charge of all the RAs, right? Of all the residency dorms that are there, Hundreds of girls are going to be there, and she's going to get to be the Christian influence over their life while they spend it there. You see how she, God took that, that prayer and has multiplied that out. That's hundredfold multiplication. We have no idea what God really, truly wants to do with us until we open ourselves up to allow him to do it. But we don't. We close ourselves off. We don't give the time. Our passion is not where our passion should be. We hide our treasures within ourselves, whether that be our abilities or our finances. And we try to hold on to it, just like the dude with the one talent. He went and he buried it out in the yard. Why? Because he knew that the master was a hard master, right? We're not going to read portions of this, but the master was a hard guy. And he knew that he would want that when he came back. But the master says, at least you could have done is put the thing in the bank and earn some interest with it, added to it. God wanted to multiply it. At least you could have done is add to it. But you didn't even do that. Luke 6.38 says this, Give and it will be given to you. Note that. Who receives first? You receive first. Do you get that? If you give, it will be given to you. Paul in 2 Timothy is telling Timothy in chapter 2, he says to him, he says that the one who is the teacher shall receive the first fruits. He should be worthy of, what you, of the gift that is given, and he shall receive first. In other words, when you're giving out to somebody else, whether you're teaching them or trying to give them instruction or, or trying to lead them and give them guidance, that you'll receive first fruits out of that. He sa- Jesus says the same thing. Give and it will be given to you. You're going to receive a blessing from God from this. In whatever shape, form, or fashion, you choose to use the resources that he's given you for his glory. And when we do that, we are blessed by it first. And then it says, they will, pour this, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. You can increase your measure. You can get better. You can move forward. You can grow. You can move outside the expanding of what you think is even capable for you. The world does this. The world boxes us up. I like sports. 
I'm a baseball guy, all right? Baseball's been taken over by what's called metrics. Metrics look at the person. They take statistics off of this. Your arm strength, how fast you can throw a ball, how fast you can run, how fast you swing the bat. You ever watch a baseball game now? They talk about exit velocity off the ball. He hit that, it excelled when it came off of his bat at greater than 100 miles an hour. If you can't swing the bat hard enough to hit the ball greater than 100 miles an hour, they don't keep you anymore. If you can't throw a baseball 90 miles an hour, they don't keep you anymore. The only guys that throw less than 90 miles an hour are old timers. They've been playing baseball for 10, 15 years, and they're just kind of left. They like them because they get people out. If you can't hit a home run anymore, you don't get to play. So they've taken all these metrics, and then they box these people up because they can't do these certain things. And what they've done is they've taken out part of the portion where somebody gets drafted in the 50th round and transforms their entire life and becomes an all-star. Because what? They marked them off. And we're slowly and surely doing that in every part of our society. We're doing it within the church. Well, if you can't play better than Elizabeth, you don't need to play. And that's wrong. It's wrong to say, I can't teach someone back there as good as somebody else can, so I shouldn't do it at all. Why should I give when there's two or three people in the church that have enough money to run the entire and give for the entire church? They don't need my money. Such and such can give enough to take care of everything. And we pawn it all off on those with the larger measures. And we don't use the measure of the gift in which we've been given. Every bit counts. Doesn't it, Miss Fran? If we give to Miss Shirley, every bit counts, does it not? Every bit. So we got to be thinking of our lives in that way. Paul thought of his life that way. In 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy. It's his last book. Go read chapter 6. He says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering, is what he says to him in chapter 6. He's pouring his life out. He's emptying it. He's emptying his life out. Pouring it into some other, somebody else. At that point, he was pouring it into a prison guard. Or he was pouring it into whoever the church sent to him so that he could give instructions and letters to them and send it back to them. They were sending him individuals, and he was pouring into them. He was writing letters. And then they would take the letters back to the churches in which he was writing them to. You know the importance of those letters? We still read those letters. We call those letters the New Testament. That's the importance of every bit of that. What about the person that went and picked it up? Have you ever heard of them and carried it back to the church? Paul couldn't do it. He's in prison. Never heard about that person at all. But if that person had not done what they were supposed to do, then we wouldn't have the letter. In fact, some of the letters we don't have. 2 Corinthians is not really 2 Corinthians. It's really 3 Corinthians. Because the second letter, we don't have. So look, 
There is an importance to every aspect of what we're looking at. We as stewards are going to be evaluated by God, which we talked about last week, on every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. Let's keep reading in the passage. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and he settled accounts with them. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. Then you ought to have, and then he goes on and he says this to the slave that buried. He said, you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received the money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in the place there will be gnashing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, that doesn't look like fun there, does it? If we withhold back from God, guess what happens? We lose it. I'm going to use the piano again. I can use any instrument. I think you need to, need to know this, Gabe. I grew up playing the drums. But there's no way on God's green earth I could play the drums right now. If I got back there, it would not even be a joyful noise. It'd be a racket. A total racket. In fact, that's what my mom and dad used to call it. <laughs> what was a racket you're banging back there in the back? No, I used to play the drums growing up. And there was a few songs I didn't play because I knew music or anything like that. I just played by listening to stuff. And there were a few songs I was really, really good at. But I couldn't play Jack right now because I stopped playing the drums when I was a teenager. I lost the ability to do this. Have any of you lost some of the abilities you have? They say that you never forget how to ride a bike, but I bet some of you have. Some of you wouldn't get on a bicycle right now to save your life, would you? I'll break every bone in my body. You can learn, not, you can lose the ability to ride a bicycle. All you got to do is get back up on it, Tim, and you'll go right on ahead. No, it can go away from us if we don't use it. If God has gifted us with something and we're not using it, then it will go away. He will still get what he wants done done. He will just use somebody else to do it. So there's the weight and the measure. Do you get it? Because here's the second part of this. God rewards resources by weight. Completion, not contemplation. You can't think about it. I should have done that. It's about getting it done. It's about using what you have been given. And God rewards based upon that. He said this back up in the Luke 6.38. I will pour it into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for by your standard of measure it will be measured back to you. God loves a cheerful giver, so give in every aspect of your life. Be willing to give your time. Be willing to use your abilities. Be willing to take the finances that God has blessed you with because you've got a great job and you have the ability to work to go out and use that for the kingdom. And you will be rewarded. Now, here's the other part about that. 
You're rewarded by weight. <laughs> that doesn't mean you get fatter. You're rewarded by weight. What is that? What do you, when you think about that, what are you thinking about? Come on, tell me what you're thinking about when you think about more weight being put on you. More, more work, a bigger load, more responsibility. Oh, this is the flip side of the coin for us right here, isn't it? I got enough problems. I got all I can handle. Brother Tim, if I took one more thing on, I'd explode. You don't want me. If I took one more thing on my plate, I wouldn't be worth two cents. I'm going to tell you something right now. None of us are worth two cents. It's only by God's grace. We need to stay in that. God's going to measure out, and when we're responsible with it, He's going to give us more. Now, everybody thinks, dude with ten talents just got richer, right? I think the guy with ten talents is probably going, oh my gosh, now I'm responsible for eleven. Look, I know some wealthy Christian people. And it's a, it's a huge responsibility on them to do the right thing with that. They feel as believers in Christ that, that they've been given and gifted that by God and they got to be responsible for it. it. They carry a big weight to do the right thing with it. We have to be responsible and then when we are responsible according to God's word, he blesses us with more responsibility. And then we have to carry that weight. But then Scripture says this. What does Paul say to us? We're to carry our own burdens, but then we're to what? Help other people carry the burdens. So you got this band that's up here. I use them as an example today. But we got this band up here. It shouldn't be just four or five people. It should be six, eight, ten, twelve people. Why? Because then the burden is lighter. And you may not be able to do this or that to the to the ability level that somebody else has, but you give somebody else a break. I want to tell you something. Elizabeth's sick today. She came in and she played for us. She's already gone home. She's not well. We don't have another what? Piano player. So we couldn't just say, stay at home because you're not feeling well because we want somebody to play the piano. And she feels responsible to be here and to play for us. If we had a backup piano player, you know what we don't have? We don't have a Sunday school director. You know what I don't have? A backup Sunday school teacher. You know, and there's a lot of empty holes in what goes on around here. We want a fully functioning Sunday school, discipleship ministry. Tim, Pastor Tim, we want to be able to disciple other people. We need a leader. We need other deacons. We need other spiritual men. 
to help us make decisions around. The ladies that cook for us are cooking for us once a month now. We need other ladies to cook if we wanted more food. Right, Don? You need to go and list more people to fix dinner for you. We need more people picking up the load and helping to carry it. That's what makes a thriving ministry. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm pulling a large church just to name out. I don't even know the pastor's name. But Christ's place is not run by the pastor that gets up there on Sunday mornings. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people working today. The ministry grows by the more workers that are involved in the ministry. Not because of the person that's the head of the ministry. Have any of you guys seen Charles Stanley lately on TV? You, you watch him on TV on Sunday mornings? I watch him. And I, I want you to know something with all the love that's in me. Charles Stanley is looking feeble. But In Touch Ministry is striving. But I really wonder how much of In Touch Ministry is really Charles Stanley anymore. Do you get it? God used his talent and giftedness to start that, and it has become something greater than beyond himself. That's what we're talking about here. God begins to pour out. He multiplies it out. It'll pour over our lap. It'll come in more and more and more than we can ever even think about using if we'll just open up the tap. God's resources are unlimited. We just need to take the top off and allow what we've been given to be poured out. And the more people that do that, the better. And the more blessing we will receive. Proverbs 16, 2 says this, All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. That goes right back to what he told Haggai last, last week. And then we'll finish up in verses 28 through 32. Matthew chapter 21. A man had two sons, and he came to the first and he said, Go to work today in the vineyard. And he said, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it, and he went. The man came to the second, and he said the same thing to him. And he answered, I'll go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? The first, and Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get in the kingdom of heaven before you. God's looking for workers. I'm with you. I look at the world and I think, this world's a mess. God looks at it and says, it's wide unto harvest. I need workers. He's resourced you. You have what you need. Take off the top and pour it out.
Let's pray to him. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the blessings of life. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you tell us and show us throughout scripture how you can use every single one of us. Every one of us is a clay vessel made by you. Different sizes, different shapes, different weights, different measures. But Father, the same spirit. And we cannot be looking and comparing ourselves to everybody else. All we're responsible for is what we've been given by you. And help us to be a proper steward of the resources which you've given us. Lord, may we glorify you with our time and our talents and our treasures. May our passions be focused upon your kingdom. I pray, Father, that you will strengthen us. I pray, Father, that you will give us guidance and direction. I pray, Father, that you will show us a new circle, a new step of faith for us. And Lord, as you do that, I pray that you'll provide all that we need to make that happen. Father, it's these things we ask for. These things we pray for now. In Christ Jesus' name, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.